0: I'm Laura Ellsworth welcoming you to Prairie Dock Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Rick Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605 692 1430. 605 692 1430. With us today is Dr. Deb Johnston to answer your medical questions. Dr. Johnston's specialty is family medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning dr johnston good morning laura it's great to be here this fine morning happy to have you here and our prairie doc topic this week is back pain yes a very common problem yes so if you have questions listeners regarding back pain or something you want us to talk about today give us a call at 605-692-1430 now before we jump into back pain we do have Um, some updates as we've been having every week uh, regarding (laughs) COVID-19 and vaccination and all of that the exciting news last week from the CDC was that for those of us who are fully vaccinated, they are saying we don't necessarily need to wear a mask anymore. That's
1: right. That's very exciting. And, and and also, I think, has prompted a lot of confusion mm-hmm. among people. But the general guideline is that if you are fully vaccinated, then you don't need to wear your mask. Now, there are certainly circumstances where masks are still required, according to the CDC, and that would be on public transportation, for example. So if you're on the bus, on an airplane, in an airport, um, also in a healthcare setting. And although the CDC, at least that I could find, didn't elaborate on why, from my perspective, it's related to another factor, which is that we're discovering that people that are immunocompromised, people, for example, getting chemotherapy, people who have immune systems that don't work for some what whatever reason the shot is not nearly as effective for those individuals as it is for the average person. And where are you likely to see those individuals Mm -hmm. in healthcare settings? Mm -hmm. So they are still recommending requiring that in healthcare settings, people wear their masks. So I still wear my mask all day long. Uh, We expect patients coming in to wear their masks. So from that perspective, it has not changed. Um, But when you're at the grocery store, when you're out at the park, when you're out to dinner, Uh, If you are fully vaccinated, you do not need to wear a mask. Now, the big question is always, well, is this person without a mask? Are they vaccinated or do they just not like wearing masks? Mm -hmm. And of course, there's no real way to know that. So the odds are pretty good. I'll still be wearing a mask, but I think I'll get out my vaccinated button so that everybody knows it's not because Mm -hmm. I'm not vaccinated. It's because
0: I want to help protect other people right yes you know our family went out to do an errand the other day um and I didn't wear my mask but I had my kids wear their masks because they of course are not vaccinated I felt a little guilty I was like I don't know I don't know (laughs) if this is correct should I be wearing my mask too but um but yeah so you know think about we all have to think about those things our kids aren't vaccinated yet so They will continue to wear their mask while we are um, out and about. about. um, Although I
1: am very excited because tomorrow my 15-year-old daughter gets her first dose of vaccine. And I am so thrilled. I have been telling her... Ever since the vaccine came out and was approved for 16 and up, the Pfizer one, I have been telling her that on her 16th birthday at 1201 I was heading into her bedroom with a shot. (laughs) (laughs) And sadly you know, as a mom, sometimes you like to torment your children just a little bit, but sadly that was not tormenting for her. She could not wait. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) She wanted to sign up for the trial, but uh, all the study sites were too far away and we weren't accepted into the trial. So that's okay. She'll be getting her first shot today or tomorrow and uh, by the time summer truly rolls around she will be fully protected and um, we can all breathe a sigh of relief.
0: Yeah, we have an 11-year-old. He'll turn 12 oh. in August. And so we've been talking about it, you know, like when there is an opportunity and such. And, you know, shots aren't something kids are really usually Excited super about. interested in. So he's like, well, whatever. But once the announcement came out last week that once you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask, his excitement greatly increased. Yes. With the idea like, <laughs> oh, maybe if I get a shot, I don't have to wear my mask. So yes. um, I think that, that is encouraging for our kids too to know that maybe they are getting closer to not having yes, to do that absolutely. too. Absolutely. I think and I
1: do think that it will come. Um the the okay for younger kids to get the vaccine will come. Um probably not before school starts, but you know, those kids that are younger are less likely to pass it along. Uh, Children, as we've said all along, are less likely, although not impossible, but they are less likely to get severe disease. My concern has always been that this disease is so new we don't know what the long-term consequences are going to be. When when I think about some of my patients with polio, who, who had polio as children and seemed to recover entirely from their polio, but now in middle age, they're developing disabilities related to that illness. And of course, you know, we don't have anyone who had COVID-19 50 years ago to say what's going to happen over the course of their lifetime. So I'm extremely relieved that both of my kids will be able to get their shots um, very soon. And my, my older son is fully vaccinated now. Um... And that all children will have that opportunity, hopefully, in the not-too-distant future.
0: Yeah. And so if you're here in Brookings area and you have um, anyone in your family 12 years of age or older, anyone 12 and older, uh, we do have an event um, tomorrow, uh, May 20th, at the Swiftel Center from 4 to 8 p.m. So if you're looking for an opportunity to get your kids that are 12 and older, vaccinated, or anyone in your family um, ages 12 and older, 4 to 8 p.m. tomorrow night at the Swiftel Center. Um, if you want more information about that, you can find that at brookingshealth.org, so brookingshealth.org website, or you can call 605-692-2811 to learn more about that. You can also go to b ReadyBrookings.com
1: and they will have information about that and interestingly I'm actually going to be there tomorrow. Okay. I'm going to be there during the day as part of their volunteer staff Mm -hmm. Um, so from uh, 8 until 4 there is at least I think it's till 4 there will be the second dose of the Moderna vaccine that people are getting but there's also a walk-in for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine so you can just head over, walk in, get your one-and-done shot, and that is a fantastic opportunity for anyone who has not yet had their shot. That particular shot is 18 and older, so it's only for for the older crowd, Um, and then the 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. is the Pfizer vaccine that anyone 12 and up can get. However, that is not a walk-in. You actually have to sign up and make an appointment for that, and you have to be able to commit that you will get your second shot on june 9th i think it is so it'll it'll tell you about that on the website when you go to sign up so walk in for the johnson and johnson during the daytime in the evening make your appointment to go get your your pfizer vaccine this is a great opportunity people let's let's go get those shots let's get everybody immunized so we can keep getting our numbers to head down
0: and now, really, is the time. Um, I feel like Brookings has done such a great job of making this available, and we want to get everyone yeah. done now. I think it'll just be trickier if you're waiting. You know, now yes. is the time when we now have the these time. events and the supply
1: and all of that you, ready. You don't need to wait anymore. If you've been waiting your turn, it is your turn. Go get that shot. Excellent. I I do want to, I know last time I was on the show, we talked a, a bit about some of the hesitation that I hear from people and some of the concerns that I hear. And one thing that I realized afterwards I forgot to talk about was a lot of people expressed to me that they're concerned because the shot was developed so quickly. Mm. Um, and, you know, I I will... Be very frank, I was very concerned about that, too. When they first started talking about a vaccine and, oh, we think we'll have this vaccine um, in this time frame, uh, when Dr. Fauci was saying that, I thought he'd lost his marbles (laughs) because I thought there is just no way on God's green earth that a shot of vaccine can be developed that quickly. Um, So what I learned, though, in the course of this is that it looks like that shot got developed Really quickly in less than a year, but that's actually not the truth. Um, They actually this shot built on at least twelve years of research that started well before COVID nineteen was ever a thing. Um, There were researchers; um, they started trying to to research the Zika virus and RSV. RSV, which has been around longer than my career, Mm -hmm. um, and typically affects children. So uh, they had done a lot of research into how to stabilize the part of the virus they were trying to attack. And um, they had been doing research on very closely related viruses. Now, RSV and Zika aren't closely related, but the viruses that causes MERS, which is Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, and SARS, um, which were viruses that, that actually had very high death rates, but fortunately weren't as contagious and never spread, and then kind of, you know, have little flares here and there, but never become a major public health issue. Um, so they had been researching that, and they were to the point of, of human trials with those viruses. So as soon as the, the RNA sequence for the COVID-19 virus uh, was released, they were able to take that, um, adapt that vaccine to that particular virus, and they were ready to start human trials in March of last year. Mm-hmm. So it looks like this vaccine was developed at light speed, but it was only able to do that because all they had to do was get to the finish line. They were mm-hmm. already on mile... You know, We just had the Brookings, mile, mm-hmm. Brookings Marathon. Yes. They were already at mile 25, and then so all they had to do was that last little bit um, of of ensuring safety, ensuring efficacy, and they were very fortunate in that the first target they identified to develop those antibodies to was a good one. Mm-hmm. And so, I- although if your concern was that, wow, this seems like this came out fast, uh, it does seem that way. but that's because we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg of what they did, so they it's still a remarkable achievement,
0: um, but the science
1: was not rushed.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, as I mentioned earlier, our Prairie Doc topic this week is back pain. It's time for us to go to a break, but when we return, we'd be happy to answer your questions about back pain or any other medical questions you would like to ask. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. So give us a call at 605 1430 with any of your questions. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group.
2: It is important as we age to add strength training to aerobic exercises. These activities will help you build strength, maintain bone density, and improve balance, coordination, and mobility, and reduce the risk of falling so that you can stay independent and perform activities of daily life. Talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings about strength training and get started today. Welcome back to Prairie Doc
0: Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston is here to answer your medical questions. Give us a call at 605 692 1430. Our Prairie Doc topic this week is back pain. Dr. Johnson, this seems to be such a common problem for so many oh, individuals. Oh, it is a very,
1: very common problem. And obviously, it's a problem that gets more common as people get older. But I have young people who come in with complaints of back pain, too. So this is this is an extremely common topic and often a very frustrating one because it is such a long-term, ongoing issue for people.
0: Right. What, what are some of the common causes of back pain?
1: Well, most of the time, back pain is a what we call a structural issue. So, it's it's related to the ligaments, the bones, the muscles in your back. Um, you know, people always think, well, when my back is is bothering me, it must be something in the nerve, and it, it certainly can be, um, and that's not uncommon. But a more common cause is actually those those supporting structures for the for the nerve and for your body. So. Um, you know it is often very difficult to pinpoint exactly what's going on, and a lot of the times we don't need to in order to to get people relief um sometimes we do, and that's where the specialists that will be on uh, the show with us are particularly um, valuable mm-hmm. uh, so it's going to be a great show, and I'd really encourage people to to tune in and and learn about back pain and learn about some of the really new exciting things that they're doing. Even even in the last 20 years since I've been practicing medicine, there's a lot more things that get done to help people with their pain. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be a great show.
0: Yeah. And that show is tomorrow night, Thursday night um, at 7 p.m. on South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television. So you can tune in for that. When we think about um, back pain, as you mentioned, there's specialists, and I feel like there's so many different, probably, treatment options or ways for people to get relief, and you just kind of have to find the right fit for you. The right fit for you. How do you start that process?
1: Um, You start that with a history. You start that by learning about uh, the circumstances, how the pain started, when the pain started, um, what seems to aggravate the pain, anything that's associated with the pain. You need to look at the person as a whole, too, because some of the concerning things that can cause back pain um, can be a sign of more... um, deadly diseases. For example, uh, sometimes back pain is related to cancer that has gone to the back, uh, or to a collapse in the um, the vertebrae uh, that is pinching on the spinal column itself, or uh, an infection in the back. So, you know, you you really do need to start with some of those questions. Um, and obviously, if it's oh, you know, this is exactly the same flare of my chronic back pain, you're a little less worried about that then when it's a new um, issue so you start with that history and then you uh, you do an exam um, and then from there uh, actually what people are often surprised to find is that imaging x-rays and MRIs (coughs) excuse me are not usually a part of the initial evaluation of back pain. Um, it's usually more of the the history and the physical, and usually we'll save those x-rays and MRIs for situations where we're either concerned about one of those other possibilities or situations where the pain is not improving and not responding. So um, a lot of times our initial treatment is um, pain relievers usually not opioids, but more um, uh, anti-inflammatory medicines, Tylenol, that kind of thing, Uh, sometimes muscle relaxants, uh, and activity. You know, back a long time ago, uh, we used to recommend, oh, well, you've got to take it easy with your back pain, you know, but uh, actually... Taking it easy can make it worse. Now, that doesn't mean that you should go out and run that marathon mm-hmm. when your back is bothering you. Um, but you you don't want to be inactive and you don't want to be taken to your bed mm-hmm. with your back pain because your back pain is not going to get better if you don't strengthen and um, increase the flexibility of those muscles. So one of my first steps for helping people with their back pain is actually often physical therapy. Uh Um, You want to be active. You want to strengthen those core muscles. You want to improve the flexibility of muscles that might be tight. Um, You want to improve the balance. Uh, That's often a very important step. And that activity for a lot of people is often the number one key to mm-hmm. it. And then there are um fancier things that can be done such as injections, sometimes injections actually around the spinal cord, sometimes injections into the 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 joints in the back. The back has a, a tremendous number of joints and they're very very complicated mm-hmm. joints. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes they'll do injections in there. Sometimes they'll actually try to um, almost destroy the nerve, the little nerve that uh, is between those joints. Um, and occasionally surgery is required, but uh, surgery is usually a last resort and only appropriate for certain back conditions. So a lot of people are afraid that they'll need to have surgery or that we're going to recommend surgery. um, And sometimes a little disappointed when they hear that, you know, surgery is not going to help your problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's where it gets really important to be a little more specific about what's causing the problem. And it's important to know that not everything you see on an MRI or an x-ray is responsible for the pattern of pain that you have. So you might have something on that MRI that says, wow, you've got a bad disc, but if that location of where your your abnormality on your MRI is doesn't match up with the pattern of pain that you're seeing, it's certainly not going to do you any good to have surgery. hmm What are some things we can do to prevent back pain from happening? Oh, that's, you know, I think one of the most important things is that staying active, just like we were talking about before, uh, to stay active. um, And uh, things like yoga and Pilates can be very helpful with keeping that core strong. But even just walking. To, to stay active, to be walking, to be biking, to be swimming. Swimming is a great activity for a lot of musculoskeletal complaints. Um, so staying active is probably number one. Uh, number two is to maintain a, a normal body weight. If you're overweight, losing some pounds can help. And I know how difficult that is. Anyone who's seen me knows I know how difficult that is. Um, but losing a few pounds... and it, you don't have to get down to a quote unquote perfect body weight, um, but sometimes even just losing, you know, 5% uh, can be very helpful. So a healthy body weight is important. Not smoking, that's another really important thing. And mm. people often don't um, kind of see that connection, but smoking is hard on all of your tissues. Uh, and particularly if you're going to have anything, any kind of a procedure. Um, Smoking delays healing. So um, we need, if you can get rid of those cigarettes, that's an added little bonus. It might help your back pain too. Um, And then wanting to pay attention to some of the ergonomics in your life. So um, if you're a a desk worker to take a look at your, um, how high is your chair? How high is your desk? Where are your arms? Um, If you're not a desk worker to make sure that you are uh doing whatever your physical task is uh appropriately and not you know lifting from your back lift with your legs instead of your back so those are a lot of things that can be very helpful and very useful to people
0: yeah it's good to just be mindful i catch myself looking down at my phone kind oh, of slumped yes. over I'm like oh man i gotta straighten up again yep. <laughs> you know it's easy to just kind of not think about absolutely that to be absolutely absolutely Of how we are treating
1: treating our body that's a good you Mm -hmm. know i think that's something we all should should be a little more mindful of not just in position Mm -hmm. but you know how am i treating my body in general am i getting enough rest am i eating right am i exercising am i managing my stress um you know you only get one Mm -hmm. so it's a good idea to to be mindful of how you treat it. Right,
0: excellent. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical
2: Group. Shingles, also called herpes zoster, is a painful rash disease. Shingles can lead to severe nerve pain called postherpetic neuralgia that can last for months or years, after the rash goes away, shingles is caused by the varicella zoster virus, the same virus that causes chickenpox. If you've had chickenpox, you can get shingles. Almost one out of three people in the United States will develop shingles in their lifetime. You can get shingles at any age, but it's more common in older adults. Older adults also are more likely to have severe disease. The Center for Disease Control recommends that people age 50 and older get the shingles vaccine called Shingrex. Set an appointment to discuss shingles with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings.
0: Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc Physician, Dr. Deb Johnston is with us today answering our medical questions. We've been talking about back pain and um, some of its causes and some treatment options and prevention ideas to help prevent us from getting there. Um, Dr. Johnston, as we consider other ways to help manage back pain, um, you know, we hear about massage or acupuncture or different things like that. Have you seen that be successful with patients? Yes. Okay.
1: Absolutely. And uh, Bob had a, a good Observation while we were, um, while we were on break there about chiropractors, mm-hmm. and there is data to say that chiropractors can be very helpful mm-hmm. in in treating your back pain. And um, you know, I think that there's often a lot of overlap between what the chiropractors do and um, what physical therapy does, for example. Uh, and one of the things that I think the chiropractors often do particularly well is get people up and moving. Um, and get them uh, to do that activity that is so important for strengthening their back. So I don't want to uh, to neglect our chiropractic partners and and colleagues uh, because they definitely have an important role to play in helping people uh, relieve their pain and improve their function. Mm-hmm. And the similarly, acupuncture for some people can be very very useful. It's not something I usually do as a as a first step, but, um, it can be useful, uh, dry needling, um, which on the surface looks very similar to acupuncture, but, uh, is a little bit different, um, that can be helpful for the right patient. So, uh, there are a lot of, a lot of options out there and sometimes, uh, it's important to recognize that your pain may not be something we can cure, but the odds are pretty darn good. It's something that we can improve and we can manage, help you manage.
0: Yeah, and it's amazing how much that affects our lives. I appreciated um, Dr. Tachek's essay this week um, his Prairie Doc essay he was our guest writer this week and he talks about a grandmother just wanting to hold her grandbaby and how um, these little daily things like she couldn't do that until she got some help with dealing with her back pain and um, And, and that is
1: you know it really fundamentally is all about people's quality of life and some of those things that you don't think of as um, as being a major issue or are the biggest issue for them Mm -hmm. you know that's a huge quality of life issue and that's again one of the wonderful things about the vaccination and our falling rates is that people are able to go back to holding their grandchildren yes um, and can do it with some assurance of safety now that they've had their vaccine unfortunately not everybody there's still those people that are immunocompromised and are having to make that choice between their health and their um, and being able to do those things but uh, boy what a wonderful thing for us and what a wonderful um,
0: point in the pandemic is that we're able to start being together again Absolutely. Well, before we wrap up, I do want to remind everyone that they're in Brookings area, that there is a great opportunity tomorrow to get a vaccine. If you haven't done that yet, for anyone ages 12 and up, there's opportunities to get those tomorrow. And to learn more about those, you can go to BrookingsHealth.org. Or call 605 692 2811 so you can learn more about those vaccine opportunities for tomorrow. So now's the time to um, work on figuring that out. Get your shot, people. Everybody, get your shot. Yes. Well, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. This Thursday, May 20th, Prairie host, Andrew Ellsworth, is joined by guest physicians, Dr. Adil Shaikh from Avera Medical Group Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation in Sioux Falls, and Dr. Tyler Tacek, an interventional pain physician with Rapid City Medical Center and a member of Monument Health medical staff. They will provide the latest answers for prevention and treatment of back pain. So, tune in for that tomorrow night on SDPB television. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. Visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Deb Johnston for joining us today, and as Dr. Home would say, "Stay healthy out there, people."